0: We welcome you to explore the third place with us.
1: It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging, empowering, and and engaging engaging dialogue.
0: You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: We invite you in to the third place.
1: Well today is a big day. We have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris being sworn into the oath of office as president and vice president and we have a call from both sides for healing and unity and uh we surely hope that that is true and that's authentic and 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 that we really can begin that work. And I know for us, for Mary, you and I, we surely hope that a lot of the podcasts and the work that we're doing can help with um, help lead us towards that path of unity and and better communication and uh, really just learning how to love each other again.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing that keeps coming up for me in this time is that if we disagree, because so many of us do can we maintain one thing? And that one thing being, can we remain curious?
1: Yeah. We're excited to continue this series. New year, know you, Uh, so much of the work of being curious and, and creating that safe space for deeper dialogue is to, to do the internal work, taking deep dives of how we process information, how we learn uh, information and perceive the world and Today, we'll continue that conversation uh, with an interview from Sunny Bonnell, co-author of the book Rare Breed.
0: In December, we did a giveaway on good grief, and the response that we got was so great that we decided we would do another one. So this month, we are doing a giveaway in honor of getting to know ourselves again, as last year was really revealing. It's likely that many of us went through a ton of adversities in 2020, and you may have been reintroduced to parts of yourself that you hadn't met before or hadn't faced in some time. So in that spirit, in the spirit of New Year Know You, this giveaway is valued at $350, and it includes an Enneagram online course from Nicole Sewell, our guest last week, the founder of Sailor's Sweet Life access to official Myers-Briggs test and a deep dive with expert Laura Jackson, who you'll hear from next week, a copy of the book, Rare Breed, A Guide to Success for the Defiant, Dangerous, and Different, written by Ashley Hansberger and our guest today, Sunny, and a journal actually from my brand, Five Element, that will help you to sort of bring all of this together and process it in one place. To learn a little bit more about this, go to our Instagram at Podcast. follow each of our partners, and make sure to tag someone that emulates knowing their selves.
1: All right, so Sunny Bonnell and Ashley Hansberger are authors of the groundbreaking business career book, Rare Breed, A Guide to Success for the Defiant, Dangerous, and Different. Sonny and Ashley have earned their way to the front lines of a workplace revolution and have spent their career devoted to building up people with the drive and courage to demand more of themselves, their careers, and their companies. They've worked with the world's most visionary leaders and ambitious companies to break the status quo, including Google, Hershey's, USA Today, and 20th Century Fox. Their breakout book recognizes and examines a new kind of leader, the rare breed, those who dare to be different in a sea of sameness and offers a guide to navigating your own notorious personality traits that can lead to incredible breakthroughs and triumphs in business and in life.
0: Well, welcome, Sunny. Uh, Wondering if for our listeners you can start with, you know, what is Rare Breed and who are you?
2: So we started with a curious question. Uh, What if you could take the parts of yourself that other people criticize traits that are called defiant, dangerous, different, essentially traits that are counterintuitive to your success, right? And turn them into your selling points. And so really what you're referring to is, is this phrase rare breed, which is the title of our book, rare breed, a guide to success for the defiant, dangerous and different. Rare breed is really an unconventional business book, personal success book. It's designed to help you not only, uh, think like a rare breed develop sort of this rare breed mindset, which is based on these seven unconventional traits that we've identified are the source of differentiation and power in business and life. Uh, but also it's to help you understand what a rare breed is, why they move the world forward and how do you identify or know if you are one and what you can do to use those traits, uh, those seven traits, um, to your advantage, if that makes sense. And so, really what we have uh, sort of identified, I think, throughout our decade of, of really guiding leadership teams over the last 15 years. We've worked with entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, ambitious CEOs um, at our leadership and brand agency motto. And what we really witnessed over the past decade was just an alarming lack of, of acceptance for unique people and quote, unquote, crazy ideas that don't really fit the mold. And so we responded to that Uh, to that earlier question and also to this um, observation with the book Rare Breed to sort of help those who had felt othered or outliered or sort of misfits and perhaps could not hear their own voice. We wanted to give them an idea of that. No, you are not flawed. And yes, you can succeed on your own terms. Uh, And then you had asked the question a little bit about me. Well, I am one half of uh, a partnership. Uh, my partner Ashley Hansberger and I uh, are the co-founders of Motto, which is a branding agency that uh, brand and leadership agency that works with uh, all types of ambitious CEOs, leaders, teams to help them align around a big idea and also sort of identify what is that standout quality that they have and bring that forward into the brands that we help them
1: build. Yeah, cool. I love that because I've I've lived by a life philosophy for a long time that there is no such thing as normal. If you ever do meet someone who's normal, they're <laughs> the ones who are weird because there is. <laughs> so just to even call out and recognize that, you know, there's these unique qualities among us and there are these rare breeds of people that really just have such gifts to bring. Do you have that kind of personal story too, where you we're, we're considered the outcast or outlier that, but you had this beautiful gift to bring, like?
2: Oh, sure, I mean, I, I, from a very young age, I was a little bit of a wild card. And I think this starts early in our development, right? As as children, I think this goes back to the very beginning of of us being born, you know? Some of the very first eyes that we ever look into is the eyes of our parents, right? And they have hopes and dreams for, for us, um, for, for a life we haven't even lived yet and i think we're over time conditioned uh this is really deeply rooted in our psychology and i think over time we just become sort of docile you know we, we sort of grind down our, our prickly points and sometimes start not to question and we lose a little bit of that perhaps personality that we had at a, at a very young age i was quite quite a <laughs> quite a rebel myself uh i you know at, at third grade i think i was break dancing on the front lawn of the, the middle <laughs> school and my mom was just like i don't even know what to do with you right now <laughs> um but you know i showed i showed signs of entrepreneurial tendencies very very young i didn't i never did things uh that were considered kind of normal i was always breaking out of the mold i was always surprising people i was always doing things that were a little bit uh, you know out, out of line in terms of just not in the lane and uh, i think that you know what 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 i think was favorable for me though is that i had two parents who sort of Eventually, just said, "Well, if if you can't beat her, let's join her." Uh, and they began to celebrate that. You know, they saw that in me at a very young age, and they were like, "Well, this is who she is." And instead of trying to beat it out of me, you know, or try to steer me in different ways, they really encouraged me to to be all of who I am. And I think that was really uh, special. Uh, but for so many, and I think why we wrote the book was this actually ties back to. Our, our origin story as a company. So Ashley and I have grown up together, went to college together in our early 20s, just shy of our degrees, dropped out of college. With like $250 to our name and decided that we were going to start some branding agency with no prior business experience and no prior branding experience. Uh, I was, I was doing a little bit of graphic design on the side. I was enrolled to become, I was going to be a veterinarian. That was the track I was going to go down. She was going to, um, she was attending journalism school, wanted to be an English major wanted to be a writer. And so we were both kind of had the, the journey, like we're going this way. Right. But I had this wild idea that you know, I was designing on the side just just as a hobby, just sort of a, a side hustle, a passion, and decided to abandon all of that to, to start this company. And, you know, we're again, female, right? Young women start this company in a very conservative town. There's probably three or four established players, right? In our industry, all male owned, Companies, primarily, I think, still to this day, we're only 0.1% of all agencies owned by women. So again, such an outlier. Uh, and here, here we come, right? We're gonna, we're gonna start this agency. We don't think anybody's doing it right, and we're just gonna do it differently. And you know, the first year and a half of our business, like everyone said, we were gonna fail. We were too young, too broke, too inexperienced to succeed. Uh, and you know, over time we began to believe that perhaps they were right. You know, even though we knew that there was a gift and there was something to say and there wasn't just something to sell and we believed that we could have a point of view and that we we thought that we could lead our clients in a very different direction than they were going, we still were met with a tremendous amount of resistance and adoption to our ideas and to us. And I think that we began to believe that perhaps that the doubters were, were right. And so we're probably a year and a half into business and we have this moment where we're like, you know what, like we're not cut out for entrepreneurship. Like we should just, what are we doing? Right. We were, we're broke. We're sleeping in our office. We're, we're, we literally have no clients. Like what, what did we think we were doing right. To, to try to do this. And we had this pivotal conversation with my dad who also entrepreneurial, started in a very similar situation with no money and, 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 you know, no education, like came from a coal mining camp. Uh, dad could not, his dad could not read or write. You know, he just, he just grew up a little bit hard and you know, he had started his company and I'd watched him become a successful entrepreneur. So here I was kind of at his feet saying I'm failing. And he says, well, you two are a rare breed. Like, of course, nobody's, you know, of course you're not, nobody's going to get you like, you know, this yeah. is this is who you are. You need to succeed because of who you are, not despite who you are. And it was kind of the aha moment, I think, for us and just sort of saying, well, like, of course, nobody gets us like, of course, this is we're going to be met with resistance. Like we're trying to change this conversation and we're trying to do it as two young females in a conservative town where we've basically been trying to be ran out of um, because, you know, it's it's competitive, you know, in our industry, it's like I we were. We were, we didn't know it at the time, but I think we were a threat because we were a little bit rogue right? and they just didn't like it. And they were like, I don't know who you think you are, but we've got this town on lockdown. You're not going to come in and and try to take our business, you know, so uh, and we didn't see it that way. We just saw it as like, isn't there enough for everyone? You know, we didn't, we didn't really think about it that way. But anyway, that, that conversation was really pivotal to changing the trajectory. Of, of our business and the way we saw it. And what's really interesting about Rare Breed as a concept is we were given that tr- that that phrase in 2007. I think we were about two years into business. We started our company in 2005. So 2000, early 2007, my dad gives us this phrase and we put a pen in it and don't write about it until 2019.
1: Talk about perfect timing for i think our whole country as a whole though like here we are in this moment where there's so much pushback for the establishment and we need these minority voices to step up and and lead us so i just just brilliant
2: absolutely i mean you know by simple definition a rare breed is someone who is unordinary among the kind. They're gonna stand out against the herd. They're gonna look the status quo in the eye. They're gonna punch it with brass knuckles, right? They're 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 the people that you say you can't do it and the rare breed says, Oh really hold my drink. Right. Yeah, they're right. just they're just kind of in that mindset. <laughs> and even though the world is trying to stop them they still think, act and communicate this way and they move through the world as such. And I really do believe that they move the world forward. And especially right now, right? Where now what's happened with Rare Breed that I think is really exciting is we're now going into companies. You know, again, this is a book we wrote in 2019. It's now started to kind of take off, but the mindset of Rare Breed is actually bigger than the book itself. So now we're being brought into companies big, big global companies. And they're saying, can you teach us not only how to think with a rare breed mindset, but can you also help us hire for it? Yeah. Can you also help us seek out talent that may be sort of, you know, meandering around our halls, right? Our virtual halls now, but can you help us find out who these people are? And not only just Understand them, but can we celebrate them and can we make them part of our competitive edge? So it's now become a conversation around diversity, inclusion, and also making rare breeds your secret weapon, which is unheard of. You know, normally they're cast out, normally they're fired, normally they just end up getting so defeated that they leave and start their own thing. But if you can keep them and you can identify them and you can also bring them into your world and make them part of your competitive drivers, you end up having really something powerful uh, within your innovation teams. And, And it's because of Rare Breeds, not despite them.
0: I just resonate with this so much because over the course of my early career, I think back to the reasons why I ultimately left was because... Myself as a rare breed, you know, we'll get into the types. I can't wait for you to share the the seven types. But so I am an emotional one. And when I was yeah. managing, um, I was only one of two women that were leading or managing departments within an independent grocery store. And I uh, I remember the HR director told me because I was I, I t- approached it in such an empathic way. I did it very much in a, in a, a way against the rest of the my peers. Mm-hmm. She said, "You're you're never gonna make it as a manager." She said, "You're you're too emotional. You're too connected. You're you know all of the things." And that actually gave me fuel to be like, "Well, that's actually not true." But I can imagine that um, it could do the opposite, and it would end up. You know, you'd end up parting ways on many occasions, probably too prematurely. For me, it just was a slow death of each place that didn't celebrate, like you were saying, my emotional um, approach to leading teams of, you know, over 100 people. But I also saw the most success with that, too. But I was, I was totally a rare breed. And, mm. and I, I sure do hope that, um, that through this work, I I can see you bringing light to that. And I'd love to hear about the types so that people can start to understand those as I just threw out the name emotional as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So there's seven traits. Um, all of these have, uh, what's interesting about them is they are as equally powerful as they are perilous. So they have a dark side and we chose them specifically because they are A vice and a virtue. So the seven are rebellious, audacious, obsessed, weird, hot blooded, hypnotic, and emotional. And all of these traits have been societally frowned upon. You know, you should not be these things in order to succeed, you know, and and to demonstrate how dark they can be. It's sort of like rebellious has the the power to move mountains right but only if you understand or know what you're rebelling against a lot of rebels just don't have a cause you know audacity it can make you this sort of prophetic visionary unless it's going to spiral into reckless hubris which it often does for for many people they end up drinking their own kool-aid right um obsessed you know they you're able to create these detailed masterpieces or you will doom doom yourself to some type of failure because you are chasing this ideal of perfection. Uh, You're hot blooded. Uh, This is where you bring an intensity and fire. This goes far beyond passion. This is something where you are, uh, you know, so intense, so hot for the room that it can often lead to destructive tendencies. You know, it, it it, it borders on this sort of fire and fury that you can sometimes use in your favor and also can lead to destruction. And then weird, uh, it makes you unique, but often very misunderstood. And to your point, emotional, it really allows you to feel, feel things very deeply. You operate on a very different frequency, but it can also lead to being overly sensitized or perhaps even misreading the room. And you're kind of too in your feelings to where you're not able to, uh, kind of separate that from reality. So there's, again, this sort of duality to each one of these, and we go into great depth about them within the book.
0: And I remember when we first got introduced to your work, you had some historical examples of some of these traits that I thought were fascinating. Do any come to mind that are your favorite to share?
2: Well, if you think about you know, the first story that we've probably all heard, right? That first act of rebellion is when Eve took the first rebellious bite of the apple. You know, in folklore, she started it all, right? We've been blaming Eve for all of this. Uh, But, you know, Joan of Arc was a rare breed. Rosa Parks was a rare breed. You know, Elon Musk, uh, obviously trying to put people on Mars, like how more audacious can you get? Uh, Lady Gaga, Greta Thunberg, you know, all of these individuals are rare breeds and they really live to their own beat and they're very much indistinguishable from their calling. And you, you see them stand out in history because they've often moved the ro- world forward in very diff- different ways. But it's true that there are so many rare breeds that you don't know the na- name of, you know, they don't have to be famous in order to be effective or efficient or to even be a rare breed. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is you have to be, it's elitist in some way, right? You can only be rare breed if you're these things, but I've known many, many people in my life that are not a household name, but are in 1000% a rare breed in their life and work and career and certainly have great influence on those they surround themselves with.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the examples that you just listed are people that we kind of look up to as positive leaders, but I'm sure that there's the negative as well, of the rare breeds that um, are not those that are necessarily making the world a better place.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I some of, I think, our most gifted orators throughout time have also been some of the most evil. You know, they've been the most hypnotic. I mean, I can think of the political <laughs> landscape right now. <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> a real sort of indication yeah. <laughs> of what that looks like. But yeah. I think the difference between someone who's a rare breed and who's not is this you know, the the point of using those forces for good and being able to track what your intentions are. You know, if you are a rebel and you don't have a cause and you're just trying to be destructive, of course, like, do we want those people in our companies? No. Like, do we want them at our table? No. You want someone who's a rebel, but for, as a force for good, you know? And that's why it's so important that you you know that distinction, because there are people uh, in companies who exhibit these traits who end up being extremely disruptive in the worst way possible. So mm-hmm. we're not encouraging that just because you're a ruckus maker means that you're an effective rare breeder that you should even be at the table. That's not at all what we're getting at. Uh, what we're getting at is that a lot of these people are often misunderstood. They're often underestimated and they're often shut out. And yeah there isn't a lot of hard, uh, trying to, to make those people f- belong. Right. And I think it's a, it's a matter of, you know, sometimes when we think of diversity and inclusion, we're like, well, it's, you know, let's just check mark that the color we've got these people of color in our leadership team or within our organization. But I think we're missing some really, really important people, uh, who don't necessarily check those boxes either right. you know and then right. you almost become like where you're you're now sort of typecasting in a different way because then you're like well if they if they look this way then then we should have them here but it's it's kind of a it's a double-edged sword and so what what i think we're seeing rare Breed do is be able to change the conversation and we want to change the conversation in a positive way
1: yeah. A couple of years ago, we added someone to our team who was on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there certainly were some hurdles about that and some things that we all were learning through and working through, but it was, uh, he told us it was the first time in his journey, in his life journey. And he was a younger kid that it was something that he could embrace. Like it was celebrated within the team and he brought a unique perspective and unique gifts to the team. And I mean I think there was just such beauty in that like it kind of reminds me um for a lot of people who stutter uh many of them especially years ago were left-handed that were forced <laughs> to learn how to be right-handed mm-hmm. right so at one point left-handed was this rare breed uh example that yep. was looked down upon and we tried to correct it all mm-hmm. and that group of people often would stutter because of it so it's like there's this new awakening for something that's being rare to be embraced. And it's not a checkbox, like you said, but it is truly what gift do they have and what perspective do they have that is just not on the team. And how do we how do we embrace it in a way that does bring that positive influence?
2: Yeah, because the Harvard Business Review, you know, they published a study a while back that said that something crazy like 10 percent of people work in companies that encourage nonconformity. I mean, 10 percent. That's that's bananas to me. And so what that sends a loud and clear message is that people are leaving their real selves behind at the door. And as leaders, we have to beg the question, how many great ideas, how many great minds, how much innovation are we missing out on because we punish those for who are even trying and how many people walk out of jobs they don't feel connected to, how many people are walking out of your doors because they don't feel seen, or there's a standard, type that has to get hired. You know, how many people do we meet that say I love my job? It's it's really remarkable how many people just feel unsatisfied. And I think as leaders we're literally silencing and awakening people at so many different points and we don't even realize it. You know, some of that is in our uh you know, control. In other words, when you have that kind of power and influence, what do you do with it, yeah. you know? And and how are you helping, encouraging people to grow? You know, no one's gonna come into your office perfect. Like, we're humans, we're messy, leadership is hard. You know, we barely know what to do with ourselves, let alone someone else. But what this is telling me though, and what I why I think Rare Breed has received such a response, is that societally, we need to be better We need to better own who we are, but in turn, we need to allow our organizations and educate our organizations to create a culture of acceptance so that you can allow people to reach their full potential. You know, it's, it should not be where you go to, um, get diminished, you know, and that your ideas can't be realized and you feel frustrated because you are just a number. I talked to somebody the other day who said that they had never even had lunch with their boss. Yeah. And he'd worked there for like a year and a half. (laughs) And I was like, there's just no excuse. (laughs) Like, there's no excuse for that.
0: I mean, I keep thinking of like the the middle child syndrome as we're talking, where, Mm -hmm. where when you know, so much of that syndrome comes from that you're not being seen, like we've said. And so you're not being celebrated or there's just an absence of you being, you're in the periphery, right? You're not in someone's focus or or view. And, And to me, what that does is that creates, you know, rebellion, right? And then it's like if someone, if a rare breed goes undiagnosed or doesn't feel seen or isn't celebrated, then I would imagine that that rare breed would manifest itself in the vice traits more than in the virtue side because i think that's just human nature
2: mm-hmm. no it's a it's a it's a very wonderful observation you know we have this coin that we give to people uh that that's that literally one side says vice and the other one says virtue and uh you can kind of carry it around with you and and know and uh, you know a lot of people have told us that they uh, when they have it in their pocket they're like it reminds me of when i'm veering into that dark territory because that borderland is very indistinct i mean sometimes even somebody who wrote about rare breed right i consider myself one and sometimes i'm like what what side of this am i am i really employing right now you know mm. what, what and, and 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 that self-awareness is really really important a great example of this is my niece is uh 22 and in college and I think she's a real rare breed, but she, you know, made some decisions where she was like, not, in my opinion, you know, I was like, no, you shouldn't do that in college. Like, you should go down that path, you know, and and then she was like, didn't you write the book on this? And I was like, oh, yes, yeah. right,
1: touche. We can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. We keep like, hey, we're having a podcast about how to have healthy dialogue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then and then you're in a fight with your. Hey, <laughs> don't you have a podcast
2: on how to talk? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. No, it's it's so true, and I think uh, it's just the nature of this topic, you know. And and you know, and then I really remembered, like, I need to encourage her to be her full self and really be who she is, and and let her, you know, that's what we do. Is you know, I, I think of her as like a, a daughter, but like you don't you don't realize how how those words how your dissatisfaction in someone or your doubt in someone like it stays with them and we do it all day long we do it we do it to people all day long and we don't even realize we're doing it and I have seen the book really change the way that other people are leading their companies you know i've had people reach out to me and tell me they've made crazy life decisions because of reading rare breed they've chosen paths that maybe they had been on for 40 years and they're just like nope no more you know i don't want to do this anymore like this was never where my heart was at and then they go and chase that crazy dream that they've had uh and to to be able to spark a little bit of that excitement and joy in people is is pretty powerful and also to Uh, you know, have, have a say in this conversation, you know, as somebody who felt at times not seen, not, not by my family per se, but more so from my, you know, colleagues and friends. And, you know, even as I started my company and still to this day, I encounter it, um, as a female owned business, you know, I'm, I'm, I would like to say that it's different, but it's not. I mean, I've been on calls before where I'm just like, this is not, You should not be speaking to me in this way, you know? And, 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 and you just like, you have to make a decision in that moment. Like, can, do I put tolerate this? Like, am I, am I, am I looking the other way? Or am I actually like, you know, supporting this type of behavior, um, towards women in the workplace. And so you have to make those decisions. And those are rare breed moves. Like when you don't tolerate something, you know, we have a chapter in the book about violate etiquette. Sometimes you have to uh you know change the conversation stop the conversation because someone isn't respecting you you know and those are times where uh, those rare breed sort of traits come out and you can use them as a force for good you can shut down people who are abusing them
1: so that's a really great point cuz i mean we're talking a lot about leadership and I, I i mean i would love to hear what your rare breed type is if and and kind of more the personal side but i think you brought up something really important as a leader oh. As you're learning the ideas of embracing rare bead and, and the ideas of building into these and seeing them as strengths and, and things to add to your team, what do you do if you in the past have caused someone to not fully embrace their rare breed identity or even worse? like How do you undo maybe harm that you would have caused because you didn't embrace that rare breed identity previously?
2: Well, I think that, you know, there's, it's like people who've changed their pronouns, right? I think we, as a society, we're all learning and we're trying to do better, or at least I hope we're trying to do better. And, you know, if, if you have made that mistake in the past, where perhaps you have, you know, unknowingly, you know, shut somebody down, you know, then, then maybe there's an opportunity to make it right for the next, the next person that you're, that you're, you know, and now that you have, you're educated about it, you can begin to to recognize that in others. I think first you have to see it in yourself and then you can recognize it in others. And I think, knowing that the tendency, when somebody who comes in, who is a rare breed into our organization, we tend to kind of reject, we've sort of like, there's that funny feeling where you're like, uh oh, like, I don't know if this one's going to work out. And then you, you start to backpedal a little bit because you're just like, okay, they're, they're, they're a little bit extra. It's, it's in us, I think, to be educated and try to navigate that and make sure that this is you know, to, to, to look on the spectrum of, is this person just again, falling into the negative sides of the traits, or is this somebody that turned right on the right path with the right conditions, with the right support, right. And with the right ability to be able to fully lean into those traits, what you can empower them to do and put them in the right roles. Sometimes it's just that you have the right person in the wrong seat, right? Yeah. And that's a, that's a big thing to be aware of.
1: And it, I mean, even as you were explaining that, I'm like, oh, yeah. And also, maybe as a leader, this is your opportunity to embrace your own rareness as a leader, because how many leaders will say, hey, you know what, I used to think this way, and I was wrong. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's a rare trait in in leadership. So
2: yeah, no, it's a great insight. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is uh It's really challenging, I think, for leadership teams. It's one of the reasons that we're being hired. We were already doing a lot of this work at Motto in the very beginning and and doing a lot of leadership work very early on. We didn't realize we were doing it, but we were. We were going into companies and because we had never worked for anybody else, I think we kind of went in with this innate curiosity to ask these really tough questions. And it really became the backbone of all the work that we do now, which is we've spent 15 years questioning the behaviors, actions, and traits and cultures of the companies that we work with so that not only can we understand how they, uh, who the spirit of that organization is, it always stems from the top. Right. And also it, it often can kind of come from the bottom as well. Meaning it can go all throughout the, the entire organization. A lot of times change actually comes from the bottom up because people that are not at the leadership level often start to kind of make, you know, there's muttering going on, you know, they're like, we're not happy. And so sometimes it kind of forces the leadership to say, Hey, we need to sort of reevaluate. But sometimes we're looking at the entire organizational brand and culture at the, at the leadership level all the way through. And then how do we operationalize that brand in a positive way? But so much of our work is really helping leaders and teams uh, truly understand what it means to have a rare breed mindset. What are those traits and things that you need to be thinking with? And how do you then recognize it within your, your team? And then how do you operationalize that kind of innovation thinking all throughout your organization? That's the work we've been concentrated on for the last two years, which is really cool because we started out being a branding agency, but now we've grown into something much, much more significant where the value is extremely audacious and that we're able to really change operationally, uh, how these companies move through the world, you know, and how their brands get represented. So it's an interesting thing, but it's so much of it is just education. You know, we don't, we don't know what we don't know. And so if we can arm them with the right conditions to kind of think through, uh, recognizing it within the culture, it it makes for real positive change to occur. So what about the
0: situation where, you know, a rare breed is being silenced at home outside of the workplace mm-hmm. where, you know, cause I, I feel like I, you know, I'm fortunate that I work in an environment and with my co-host here now that I feel like the most uh, supportive of my approach to work and to life. And, and I'm wondering like, what if that was the case in work, but not at home and, and how would you approach that conversation? I mean, I think it's amazing that you had a family that, allowed you to fully express yourself in a radical way. But I would imagine that that's not the case for, for most and that it would be hard to walk into the workplace without the tools at home in some capacity.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a really fantastic insight. I mean, one of the things that we do, just to kind of back up a minute, one of the things that we do with teams is that we have them take the rare breed quiz, which is uh, where we have everyone on the t- on the leadership team take the quiz so they kind of understand what their pro- their dominant trait is and then we teach them also how to work with traits that are not the same as them so it it's kind of like a modern day myers-briggs but in a really interesting way because you're kind of teaching like rebels how to work with you know impasse and you're teaching like people who are like hot-blooded how to work with um audacity you know which sometimes <laughs> will clash but if you're at home and i think depending on the circumstances uh, it can, it can certainly be challenging if you are not armed with a level of understanding that I think has to happen, which is, uh, an example is, let's say that you are, let's, okay, in, in your case, right, you're, you're emotional. So let's say that your, your partner is somebody who's like, has audacity, you know, and they're, they're all driven by vision, um, they kind of make the impossible possible, but you that audacious person might often be too too much for somebody who's emotional right they're they're who moves to the world as an empath they're just like we don't see eye to eye like you're probably a little bit more up in your feelings the audacious persons normally like but wait <laughs> Why are you all up in your feelings? Like, let's just move on. Let's do the, like, they don't see that. And so they're blind. We're often blind to the needs of, of, of others who embody some of these traits. And it's the same in the workplace. It's the same at home. It's the same in our relationships and our friendships. And so what's really interesting is if you, you know, we've had like friends who literally like get groups together and they're like, all right, like all my friends are taking the quiz so that we can actually understand this new lens of looking at each other. Because what it does is it gives you the ability to have better understanding, because if you know that this person kind of dominantly is a little bit more of a rebel rebel, or they're a little bit more hypnotic and they're a little bit of a charmer, you know, you can know the dark side tendencies and you, you can also know the positive attributes and you can learn how to communicate better. Um, but if you're talking about. Which I would zoom out to another level, which would be like, this is often happens in parents and parents of rare breeds so an interesting question that we get a lot is i'm the parent of a rare breed and you know say they've got three kids or maybe they have their, you know brother and sister is like one trait and they're a different one we're, we're getting a lot of questions around that which is again super interesting because we wrote it as kind of a business book but it's turned into something much much bigger uh but we're getting questions around that like i'm the parent of a rare breed how do i parent them you know because our natural instinct right is to as parents to even Perhaps, you know, we don't want them to get hurt, our kids to get hurt. So we sometimes will force this methodology of like, let's steer them back into the direction that we feel like they should go in. When often what we're doing is we're, it, it goes beyond love. It starts now to become, you're, you're trying, you're almost squashing out a little bit of their spirit. And it's, it's such a careful thing. It's not a rodeo, right? It's such a delicate dance. It's like a ballet where your, your, your words and the weight of those words and your intention of those things can really do more harm than good. You know, you end up kind of squashing out the spirit of somebody because you have criticized them to the point that they don't even know what they're good at or what they should be chasing, what dream they should go after because they're told that those dreams are too, too, audacious to succeed you know so it's little things like that that I'd be I'd be thinking about and again this happens at home and it happens in our teams and it happens as us as leaders keep in mind like we're carrying this stuff from us right like from the time we're born we're being conditioned this way so it also affects who we become in childhood who we become as friends who we become as leaders and even who we become as as employees so it it's it's a kind of a, a big conversation to have but you know, the goal is to be more understanding and appreciative of those traits versus trying to squash them out of them. That's really the true thesis.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, just like you, I was raised very. Uh, my mom was very supportive of my sensitivities, like and but almost to the point that um, that because of that, I didn't learn boundary setting very mm-hmm. well. A lot mm-hmm. of my siblings and I joke like, yes, we're all very empathic. We're all highly sensitive people, but we didn't get the the flip side. And what I like yeah. about the idea of Rare Breeds is that it gives you that full picture that you can still encourage it and then talk about that vice side or that side that um, that might need a little bit more love so mm-hmm. that you can feel more fully uh, available to present it in a productive way and to bring it to the table in a way that is not with enthusiasm and confidence and, and still also be able to support the flip side where that vice can come out. So.
2: Right, right. No, absolutely. I mean, again, that, as I as I brought it back earlier, I think that borderland between those two things are, are murky and indistinct, you know, and you run the risk of of having parenting that like encourage you to be so much of yourself that you actually lose a sense of, of, uh you know, being kind of rational, right? Yeah. Um, or, or fearful or all of those things. Or relating
0: and, or compromising or, or that. Oh, yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, you know, look, Parenting is hard enough, you know, let alone trying to like get it all right. And I think sometimes <laughs> it can be extreme. It can be, it can go one way or the other. And I think that's why you have a lot of unstable people in the world, you know, it's just, it's hard. Being who we are is hard, especially in a world that doesn't understand you. And so, you know, again, we use these terms, right? Outlier, misfit, weirdo, you know, like, and and sometimes they have really negative connotations. and. I think what Rare Breed does is reframe that conversation in a positive way. So it becomes more of a badge of honor. It becomes something you'd be proud of. But yeah, I mean, owning yourself in this way, it hurts like hell, you know, and it's not the path of least resistance. This is really hard and it's hard to know yourself. It's hard to love yourself. And it's hard to make all of who you are be proud and not just the pretty parts. And I think that's exactly what this message is, but yeah, parenting, I mean, back to your point, it's extremely difficult. And sometimes we don't always get it right. And sometimes we get it really right. And, uh, you can see it in, in people who have gone on to do some pretty extraordinary things because they had a little bit of that kick and a cuddle, right? They had the tough love, but they also had, they had the, the, the warmth, they had the love, but they also weren't overly nurtured to the point that they became incapable, you know, and some of that can, can happen too. So it's, it's trying that. to find that balance.
0: A kick and a cuddle. I've never heard that
2: before. <laughs> we use it all the time. I, I don't know where I, I have started using it a long time ago and now everybody's like, I'm stealing that line. I love it.
1: <laughs> well, it definitely sounds like, you know, again, like um, I love how the, the story that you shared of people that would be friends that would take the test together so that they can, there's like a step of learning who you are. Then there's a step of learning about other people. And then there's a step of, you know, how then everybody interacts. And again, just like, that's the reason why we're, we were so excited to bring you into the third place podcast, just because that is so much of the work, knowing Mm -hmm. yourself so we can have these better conversations. And, and I also think it's just uh, goes back to that whole checkbox thing about the idea of a diverse team is not to check a box. Right. But truly a, the idea of a diverse team is to make the team stronger and better. And mm-hmm. and when you can embrace rare breed qualities, then then maybe we can actually change the world and make it a better place. And, you know, so whether we're parents who can embrace this rare breed quality or we see a friend who is a rare breed that we can truly build into them. I mean, I think that that's it sounds an awful lot like there's just so much opportunity to do something through this lens. yeah. Mary and I have taken the test. Can our listeners take that test? And you know, what's the first step for a listener to really engage with your work and kind of begin this journey?
2: Yeah, well, so as I mentioned earlier, we're the, the founders of Motto. So that's really kind of the, the main place that people learn about us and the work that we're doing. But you can also take the quiz directly at rarebreedquiz.com. You can obviously get the book on amazon uh target books a million barnes and noble it's kendall audible it's, it's everywhere books are sold uh, but those are two quick ways to kind of get in touch with us. and also you can um, join the rare breed community on linkedin so we started a community recently where anyone who's ever felt like a little bit of an oddball <laughs> can kind of come in there and we'll we'll talk to you about we're having we're starting really cool conversations about hey i'm you know, this at my workplace, or I'm, you know, I have a boss like this. And and we're, we're starting to have really interesting conversations around all the ways in which uh, people show up at work and, and also how to how to lead them, you know, and then hopefully we'll have some parents jump in there too to talk about it. But it, it's so far, you know, it's a small community, but we're growing uh, day by day and just adding more people to it and they're finding out about it. So that's really cool. Um, and then one more thing you can do is check us out at... Um, Actually, I think you can you can see just about everything at WeAreMotto.com. So if you go to WeAreMotto.com, you can access the quiz. You can access more info on the book. You can also learn about places that we're speaking uh, and also watch our show. We have a YouTube show where we sit down with cultural provocateurs and uh, talk to them about which which vice have they wrestled forward to become a virtue. So we've sat down with people like Charlemagne the God, uh, John Batiste. Um, PJ Morton from Maroon 5, uh, Gabby Dunn, uh, bestselling author. So we had some really, really interesting conversations. It went, we, we put it on pause, you know, before the pandemic, but now we're doing a reboot. And so we're gonna have some really interesting folks on um, to kick it back off. But those are all ways that you can kind of get to know us. And then of course on social, we're all over social. So at we are motto is the handle that we're at.
0: I love that video series you have. And I love to hear that you're bringing it back because I've, I've watched all of them
2: and. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So I'm excited about that. Yeah. You know, I have one sort of closing question if, you know, for our listeners, like what is one micro thing that they could do today to either, you know, besides the quiz to really either embrace their rare, rare breed or someone that they know that is.
2: It's a great question. Um, well, I think the quiz is part of that. Uh, but I think it starts with depending on where you're at. So if you are at a leadership level, I think it starts with the people, right? You have to hire for these qualities You know most companies aren't going to hire the rebel or the weirdos because they make them uncomfortable they don't fit the norm and can really be seen as difficult or too different so they hire for safe choices but i really believe that you should hire for them uh those are the ones that are going to help you break those boundaries you know and we when you hire you really create a safe space for for rare breed people to belong and thrive you keep a you create a culture that doesn't look or sound or feel like anything is business as usual um i think that's one part of it and i think you also if you are if you are the rare breed and you are trying to navigate the world i think you have to look for companies they are out there they're rare but there are companies out there who really enjoy doing the impossible. You know, they're willing to think around those corners. They're willing to pivot after failure. Like they don't hold on to the old ways of doing things. Uh, and you want to find those companies. I think sometimes rare breeds try to force themselves. They are literally a square peg and they're trying to find a round hole when in fact, they just need to find a company that's more like them. Because when you find a company like that, you can do some of the best work of your life, you know? Uh, why, why would anybody be searching for a company where they're going to be stifled, when they're gonna be snuffed out, you know, where they're not gonna be able to, you know, hear their own voice? You know, a lot, of, a lot of the advice that people hear is like, just stay in your lane. Well, I say, fuck the lane. Like for rare breeds, there is no lane. Um, so, you know, it's about finding those opportunities where you can thrive in a career that you truly love and in an environment that, as I said earlier, is gonna create those kind of conditions to allow you to thrive. Uh, You know, if you're in a job, I know this sounds radical, but like if you are in a job where you don't feel like you are being seen, like find another job, you know? I mean, literally like, there are places out there who will welcome you, who are looking for you, you know? It's just, we don't spend the time to kind of interview them as much as we're interviewing is they're interviewing us? You know, like study their culture, learn about how they operate, figure out who's at the helm, you know, and see like are they doing the kind of work that you want to do? And you know what? If it's not there, go do it yourself. Yeah. Like nothing is stopping you. You know, look, we started with no money, no background in this, and we were able to pull it off. Uh, and yet, yeah, you know, did we work it long hours and you know spend? times where we were, you know, no food in the frit. Like, yeah, of course, like we did all those things. But sometimes persistence and the ability to believe in yourself, it can go a long way because what that then does, you make hope viral for yourself and for other people because you believe in yourself. You know, no one's gonna believe in you the way that you're gonna believe in yourself and you just have to be willing to wrestle that vision forward. So I'm I I hope that's that's good advice but like just own yourself, go for it, go all in and uh you know find find where you belong. And then if you can't find where you belong, find a place that you can call your own. Yeah.
0: It's beautiful. I I feel like I you could easily um, create something for each rare breed where it was a list of questions to ask employers Mm -hmm. to find discernment as to whether or not they are accepting of your rare breed. I think that that would be like, I mean, I, I
2: cause you know, it's already in the works.
0: Cause like (laughs) even, you know, as a, as an emotional, I've, I've struggled with finding the right employers. um, And until I started to learn what are those questions to help me be discerning right so
2: you have to be discerning like you you are your own advocate if you are not championing yourself and you are not looking out for what you need as a person you know uh and you are not in a company that sees you and, and allows you to thrive you, sometimes you got to get out and I know a lot of people are going to say but wait you know I I have a family yeah, I have bills to pay done. right it is easier said than done but there are ways, you know, and I've seen it done. I've seen some people who reduced their hours at the company they were at and tried to find the job that they were looking for and did some stuff. I've, I've had people that have written to me and said they were doing it late at night. Like, you know, they were putting in the time instead of, you know, playing, you know, Nintendo. They were, they were up all night chasing their dream. Uh, you can do it, you know, yeah. it's just... You have to know where that threshold of pain is for you. You know, some people like they're happy where they are, and that's totally fine. But there are a lot right. of people who are very unhappy with where they are, and so change it. Do something about it. Make that make that uh, make that effort for yourself because you're worth it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it stinks that life is like this, but pain can certainly be the gift and. Sometimes pain can be the gift that pushes you to become your fullest self. So
2: Yeah, because if, you know, like, look, if, if you if every day you look out the window and you dream of being a, a cook, like you want to cook food. And that's that is where your heart is at. And all you do when you're at work is do you know how unfair that is to your employer? <laughs> <laughs> that you're dreaming of being somewhere anywhere else but there. Mm-hmm. Go go chase that dream. You just have to be able to put in the work. It
0: has been such a treat to have you on our podcast. I can't thank you enough, Sonny.
2: Yeah, this was so much fun. You guys asked amazing questions. <laughs> I loved it. We do our best. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I hope I hope to uh, you know inspire the audience, and, and hopefully, there's some value out of this for anyone listening.
0: Oh, uh, the the value is undeniable. I think that you guys have have created something that is necessary, and I love that it came from something that your dad told you. I love that story.
1: And the fact that just aligns to know yourself, to know other people, is yeah. the beginning work of better dialogue and conversation. So.
0: Thank you again for coming on. And well, thank
2: you both. It's been a true joy.
0: Be well.